Thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on the things that we are doing, parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Pastor Rich, I'm excited about this one. Yep, this is a good time. Yeah, we're ready to get back at it. And so we're going to talk about just desolate places in the book of Mark and elsewhere in the Bible, right? Absolutely. Right, let's do it. So we mentioned this in chapter one. Let me just real quick read a couple of the verses that talk about this. And really, I think I mentioned this in a sermon, that the the idea of wilderness kind of attaches to this idea of desolate places. And so technically... When the word wilderness is used in Mark 1, 3 and Mark 1, 4, you're, you're kind of already starting to see this. And then the temptation of Jesus drives him out into the wilderness, which we're going to get to see really soon when we're in Israel. We're going to head to the Wadi Kelt and spend a little time there. And then it says that he was in the wilderness for 40 days. And that's, so that's verses 1, 3, 1, 4, 1, 12, 1, 13. But then near the end of, of Mark 1, we have a couple of different references. And very early in the morning, when, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. That's in verse 35. And then Mark 1, 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the, the news so that Jesus could no longer enter a town. But he was in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And then... In 631, and he said to the disciples, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. We're going to get to that in just a couple of weeks. And then finally, the next, very next verse in Mark 632, and they, they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. And so we think this is an interesting theme that's worth talking about in the, the gospels. And we find it that Jesus is often getting alone and just hanging out in desolate places, which seems strange. It's not really what you would expect of him, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to basically inform the world that you are the Messiah, it would seem the most logical thing to do is go to the biggest population center Mm -hmm. and just start proclaiming and just do as many miracles as you possibly could, let everybody be talking about it, and then go, I'm here, right? I mean, we do that, we think about that now. If someone wants to run for office, they don't go to, oh, I don't know, Baileyville, right? They go to Chicago, right? They want the largest <laughs> crowd of people in order to hear the message. Uh, but here we find Jesus, it's almost like bouncing between. He does these amazing things, mm-hmm. and then he retreats to a desolate place. And, mm-hmm. and I think even, you know, there have been times where like the, the disciples are like, why, why are you going there? We, right. we were looking everywhere for you. What, why are you here is really their question. And he doesn't always answer that question. He no. just is, is there. Right, yeah. and it's fascinating because that kind of boggles our human logic of what, of if the purpose is to proclaim, then why aren't you proclaiming? Why are you hanging out there in the in the desert? So, yeah, totally. And I think it's an interesting piece that actually gets picked up really well by the chosen. He's so often just disappearing into spaces, and you don't even really notice that it's happening until it does, and then you go, "Oh man, of course Jesus was getting away and and spending time alone." It reminds you of his humanity, the fact that he is, you know, in the flesh. And so there's some, he can only push his body so far. And at the same time, it also reminds you of the need that he has to have this constant relationship with his father uh, and who is our father, by the way. And really what that starts to do is, 
you know, I wrote in our, our little discussion email to get started here that it really picks up from an old, an old Testament motif, this idea that quite often in the Old Testament, it is mentioned, you don't meet God in the busy places. You meet him all alone, right? So you have Elijah and the prophets of Baal. This is a great moment on top of the mountain. Tons of people are there. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are watching this. But Elijah meets God in the quietness of Mount Horeb, right? I mean, this, this moment where there's just a gentle whisper and you go, that, that's unique. Or you have uh, these, these moments throughout the Psalms where it talks about the fattened calves of Bashan and how it's, there's so much in the, the lush green North Galilee area, but you really meet God in the Judean wilderness, right? Yeah. Or, you, or David sneaks away from Jerusalem, the opulence of the capital, and runs off to a cave, and it's there that he writes a psalm because he really meets with God there. So you see this throughout the whole Old Testament scriptures, and then that starts to paint a picture for us of Jesus going, oh, okay, he's, he's fitting into this motif to some extent. You meet God in the quiet, desolate places. Yeah, and I think it has to do with distractions in some regards. Yeah, I believe mm-hmm. that Jesus was stepping out because, you know, the humanity, right? He needed to recharge. But when you get out into a desolate place, and you, you've been to them, you've done some hiking and running and all this, and I've been out there, something happens where you're like, it just quiets the mind and it quiets everything. In fact, um, on my bike ride this last summer, I just realized I was riding and you sent a, the minister, there was a ministerial going on and you like sent me a note. And I'm like, well, here's where I am. And I was literally yeah. on a road, 360 degrees around me was absolutely nothing other than a few antelope and mountains. And I remember that being one of the most joyous times because all I did is put on worship music and rode and sang. And I felt like I was in a desolate place. But at the same time, I don't think I felt any more connected to God on the entire bike trip than in that one about 15-mile section of road. Sure. And it was just because it was a singular focus. I'm getting to see his creation. I'm singing his praises. And there's nothing that's, you know, distracting me. Well, this has been one of those movie scenes where uh, you are listening to the music and you're singing really loudly and you sound like the person that's singing it. And then we back away from the the scene and we're five feet away from you and we're like, what is that guy? Why is he dying? I, I think that would be it. And, and I attribute all the antelope <laughs> running away because I was scaring them, but it might've been the sound. Um, yeah, I think that's probably pretty close. So pastor Bo, uh, you might've made a good call by not letting Rich be in the choir. Is what, I, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Everyone was blessed by and that I, decision. <laughs> and I only bring that up because you've joked about it numerous oh, times. Yeah, yeah. I've sat next to you in a conference. You're not that bad of a singer. <laughs> Uh, but I do, there is a something about being alone that you're not afraid of shouting as loud as you want or mm-hmm. screaming or singing as loud as you want. I know that a number of times in my life, back to what you were bringing up, uh, just some of the darkest, scariest moments of my life, I just got all alone. My goal was to get alone. And it wasn't because I was needing to feel depressed or anything like that. That that emotion was already there, right? Mm-hmm. I already felt this overwhelming sadness. I already felt all of that. What I needed was a place to just get alone and let the Lord speak. And so going to a desolate place is one of those things of, Lord, I can't handle this on my own. I, I'm, I'm broken. I need help. I'm, I need fixing. And I know that only you can provide it. So, uh, you know, I think about Forrest and riding my bike to the edge of town and walking out into the cornfield before stuff was growing and just sitting out there um, and just thinking, Lord, you got to fix this. You know, I've made, you know, either I've made a mistake or someone else has made a mistake and my heart is just so broken about it and I just need to talk to you. 
and I wouldn't have been able to get that in a busy stadium, right? right. Or, or at a, a busy workplace. I, I would have needed to get away. And, and this is really the idea that this, this Old Testament motif, this idea of the entire Bible of you need to get away to meet with the Lord until the day comes when he is right in front of us face to face, we got to sneak away. Right. Yeah, and, and I w- was doing a little bit of reading as we were thinking about this, um, because there's a, this whole idea that we, and we hear about it now, information overload, too much mm-hmm. information, we're too connected. Um, a number of years ago, no one was really talking about that a lot, at least in American culture, but it's coming up more and more because we're finding that as connected we, as we are to everything, I mean, you, you can't go anyplace without a screen providing some kind of information most of it is useless. Right. Um, you know, I, I was at the car dealership and it was focusing on some storms happening all the way across the world. And while I sympathize with the people dealing with it, it actually has no bearing on my life other than maybe for me to, to get into a place of thinking, what's going on? But it was a beautiful day here, mm-hmm. right? And so, so that information just flows in from all these different places and that, that can impact our ability to actually really focus on what's important mm-hmm. in front of us. Um, and, and we talk about it now, and I like, do some reading. I mean, even just a number of three, 400 years ago, people were writing that they were writing so many new books, even at that time, there were comments made that, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen because it used to be such limited sources of information, but it was true. The scripture was one of them. And all of a sudden there were all these books being written about scripture. How do you even mm-hmm. filter your way to get into it rather than just focus on the word, right? Yeah. And so right now, you know, you, you sit down, you could Google all day long and find all kinds of information. A lot of it is not true or partially true. Some of it is true, but then you have to do something with it. And I think, if we get ourselves to a desolate place, which could be a park, mm-hmm. it could be just the back deck, could be it your could basement. be your basement, mm-hmm. and you just push away all the distractions, I think we can have that opportunity for God to speak to us and for, actually, for us to actually contemplate and meditate on Scripture, which is, I believe, exactly what Jesus was doing. He mm-hmm. was just getting in contact with his Father because he had things to do. Now, we flip it around. We're like, I have things to do, so I need to do things. (laughs) But he was going to a desolate place to recharge because he had things he was going to have to do. Yeah, it's one of those questions as a disciple of Jesus, to what extent do we dive into this, right? Because back to what you were just saying, I mean, if if we make the case, I'm just too busy, then what do you do with Jesus? I mean, if anybody's busy on this earth, it's that guy. And yet he's making the time to do it. And then I, you know, then I look at it and I go, okay, so I'm going to follow him. Well, what does that look like for me? How do I make that personal? Because if I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to take his uh, example, the role that he's playing, and I'm going to say, I'm going to follow that guy because that's my rabbi or that's my teacher. That's my, you know, he's the Messiah. He's the one that's showing me what it looks like to live the way God would want me to live. Well, then I need to find those quiet spaces. I need, I need to actually carve that space out in my life. And so just to get real practical here for a little bit, I mean, one of the things that I think people hear desolate places and they think just go live in a cave or, you know, a shack out in the woods. That's not really what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. No, because Jesus, he, he moved between those realms mm-hmm. um, seamlessly. And, and I, I take um, note that Mark is a short book. He doesn't mince words. And he devoted four different sections just to the word desolate places, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that there were a lot more times he was stepping away. But Mark still found it important 
that Jesus was stepping aside. But these are sandwiched right in between feeding thousands of people. I mean, you know, he is, he's healing people. He's in the cities. So I, I think as a believer, we have to understand we need a time away mm-hmm. to connect. But it's not to become a hermit, like you said, and go live in a cave or something or sit in the basement or just turn off everything and just become, you know, isolated completely from everything. But we need a time to get away so that we can be refreshed, so that God can speak to us. We can, we can listen to him of what should I be doing now with the people, because ultimately we are called to proclaim just as Jesus was. Yeah. And it's if you're sitting in the basement by yourself, it's really hard to proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Oh, totally. So what does it look like for us? Uh, so some of the ways that I practice desolate spaces or desolate places, you know, I wake up before my family does by hours, typically, especially during break, like we just had over the last few days. Uh, you know, it would be alarming to me if I saw my children before 11. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> so with having two teenagers, basically, you know, I'm up at five most days. That gives me somewhere between five and six hours of just doing what I feel, uh, you know, needs to be done. So that's time for me in the basement. That's alone time with God. That's prayer. That's scripture. That's focusing on him. And then sometimes throughout the day, you know, people might see me, if you're watching the security cameras, I don't know how much you watch them in your office. I know you have more access to them than (laughs) I do, but you might randomly see me just like popping up on different cameras throughout the building. Uh, I, I, throughout the day when I'm just stumped on something or a sermon's bothering me or I'm, or I just feel overwhelmed to pray for someone, I just wander the building and, and pray. Uh, and then on top of that, there's always, you know, like you mentioned a little bit ago, hikes, runs, a lot of my, when it's nice outside, my, my morning runs or my evening runs are just me, worship music, running around and looking at God's creation, contemplating things, wrestling scripture, and then just stopping sometimes to laugh and chuckle at myself and pray for a little bit. And then, you know, back home, what about you? How do you practice desolate space? I know you've got a lot of different possibilities. So. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the same things. So I love Saturday morning runs at the park. Um, usually a couple of hours out in the woods and that is my desolate space. Um, sometimes I have music on a lot of times I don't and I'm just out there in creation but at the same time, I'm actually able to process scripture and let God speak to me. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. And you probably had the exact same thing. All of a sudden, a thought will pop into your head and you're like going, oh, I hadn't thought about it this way. And God just works this through. And then by the time you're done, you're like going, wow, okay, this is something I need to consider or or, or think about or bring to someone else. Um, so that bike riding is one of the best ways for me. I mean, I had mm-hmm. such a blessed time. Uh, on sabbatical because there were literally hours and hours and hours of just in that solitude. And it was actually very refreshing. Um, I know some people might feel, or there's a thing called FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Um, I missed out of a lot. Didn't care because I had every day I was able to spend time in his presence. Um, But yeah, I I do the same thing. If you were to watch the security cameras, you might see me get up from my desk and take a walk around the building for for no particular reason other than I just needed some time away to think and reset my brain for whatever else was going on. So so I think part of it is removing distractions uh, from us uh, that are around us. Um, I think we have to value the desolate places. Um, Our industrialized society would tell us that's a waste of time. But right. that's all about productivity. I mean, that's all scoped into, into us being productive workers, which is not faith. That's called work. Right. God would rather have us 
spend more time with him, let him direct us, and then go be effective for him rather than um, just what the world says productivity is. So, so I think we have to be um, focused on a couple of, of resources. One is our brain. Mm-hmm. We have to realize our brain is limited in the amount of information it can take in, and a lot of the stuff that's out there is bogus. Mm-hmm. So why don't we focus on what's appropriate? Spend some time in Scripture and then get away. And that other precious resource is time. And so if, if it was important for Jesus to walk and get into a desolate place, then I think we should make that part of our regular schedule, whether it's walking, running, again, sitting alone in a room, just journaling, whatever that is, just getting away to that desolate place and let the Lord speak to us. And I think that's what will help us then uh, be more effective uh, followers because, well, even Jesus in, in 6, after the disciples came right. back, right, he's like, come with me, we're going to go to a desolate place, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this. And they just had their most effective mission trip they ever did. Right. And, why, and possibly ever. Yeah, why wouldn't he have just sent them out back out on another one? Mm-hmm. He said, no, come follow me to this desolate place. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. Let's get connected again. Let's rest, which doesn't make sense for us in today's ministry standards, because a lot of times we have these moments where we go, that was a great Sunday, let's go do it again. Whoa, 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 slow down. And I think what's ironic, even what you're describing, is we live in a very results-oriented culture, right. which is in some ways, Christian. I mean, in, in some ways, what we've done is we've taken the good news that God has redeemed the world, and now you and I have been made workers and ambassadors for Christ, and then we somehow twist that to mean then we should give everything we have all the time and never take a break because there's so much at stake. Uh, that doesn't follow the, the mindset here of what Jesus is doing. Right, because that, that leads um, down the thought process that we're a lot more important than what we really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's not at all what we should be doing. And so there's some beautiful element here of the desolate place thing. And just so that you all hear us clearly, if you're listening to this, this does not mean spend your whole life in a desolate place. We've said that mm-hmm. multiple times so far. You need to hear that. This is not go hide yourself away. That's an effective use of your your time in, in gospel presence. No, no, no. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. At the same time, if you're never taking a break, you're also not there. Right. And so there's some type of, of I don't know, I don't want to say balance because that word gets so widely yeah. misused and it's ridiculous. But there is something about in your life, you should be letting the Spirit lead you at times to desolate places and at times back into the work busyness of, of life. And that's really what we see with Jesus anyway, is how many times in Mark already has it said, and the Spirit led him to do this, the Spirit led him to do this. And in some cases, that's ministry. In some cases, it's actually go to a desolate place and go do your thing. Right, and, and we, we saw this um, at uh, Bible camp years ago when cell phones, I mean, we're going back a number of years, and cell phones were just becoming part of your right-hand appendage, right? Now they're, mm-hmm. they're almost attached, right? Um, we asked the kids not to bring phones. And oh my goodness, it was crazy. But you know who was the craziest about it? The parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple of years, and finally the kids are like, "I am so happy that we're not. We don't have my, my phone. I don't have my phone with me." Yeah. The parents were still the ones going, "But I need to connect with so and so." No, you don't. Let your child even have some time with the Lord. And we had so many comments afterwards that that was the best week. Sure. And they always talked about it is the best week of camp, and I would say it was the best week because it created the atmosphere for desolate times, mm-hmm. for or I should say for de- desolate places and times with God, um, that they could really hear what he was talking about. And so what I would encourage you to do is see if you can set up some time. And if you can't put your phone down, 
or you can't turn off the TV, that's a matter of prayer because you're going to need some time and some break. Yeah, we can't do it all and we, we have to spend some time alone right. with the Lord. Mm-hmm.